Hi, friends. Welcome to Created to Connect, a podcast that focuses on understanding our need and desire for relationships and how to overcome the obstacles that prevent us from truly connecting with God and each other. Join me on this journey as I discuss how family upbringing, cultural shifts, and the modern church have impacted how we relate. By applying God's word to our lives, we can begin to understand why he designed us to be in relationship with him and with others. I'm Sam Landa. Welcome to Created to Connect. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Created to Connect podcast. Um, We are nearing the end of season one, and I'm really excited about that. Just the two more episodes and it will be finished. And I have a big announcement that I'll probably make next week. I know I've been making a number of announcements each week, but this one's really important. It has to do with the podcast. And I really just want to hear from you guys to see how to move forward. So I'm looking forward to having that discussion with you all soon. Um, But today's topic, a very important topic, a very hot topic, one that received a lot of attention when I said I was going to discuss it. So for today, we're going to be talking about the topic, the most important talk to have before getting engaged, discussing faith, future, and family. And uh, so it's going to be an exciting one. I've really prepared well for this one because it's one of the questions I think I receive quite often. Like, What should we talk about? When do you talk about it? Uh, do you want to be serious early on and how how quickly do you get to those discussions and so on? So I thought it would be good to prepare um, a, an episode on this topic. So we will discuss that today. But before we do, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. As always, I appreciate your support. And again, um, the best way to show your support is by sharing these episodes. So one of the things I'm encouraging more and more is share these episodes. I mostly share them on Facebook, but you can also share them on Twitter. You can also tag them in Instagram, and that will be a huge help as well. So please do that. And lastly, if you ever have any questions, feel free to add those in the comment box below. As I always do my best to try to respond to those and we've had some pretty interesting discussions the last couple of weeks so I always enjoy uh, having those with you guys so keep those questions coming and keep the conversations going all right so let's go ahead and get started one of the uh, most surprising things I often hear about Christian couples is how they briefly uh, or sometimes never discuss the key areas that they should agree on before getting married. They often avoid this, these discussions that leads to plenty of frustration in dating later down the line. If the couple does end up being married, these issues can lead to some strong and maybe even detrimental disagreements in marriage. So in today's episode, I want to share three key areas that I believe are often neglected in dating. When you're having those conversations, these are the areas that I feel um, and have seen that are often avoided. So I'm going to discuss also when is the right time to have the talk, what questions to ask, and just some final thoughts. So hope you're able to tune in. And again, remember to share, share, share. All right. So... The importance of having the talk early on in dating. Like when is the right time to actually have the talk? Is it on date one? Is it on date two? Is it on date five? Is it on date 10? Like, you know, there's really no number to 
when you should have this talk with the other person. So what I've done is I've kind of broken it down into two different stages. So most of my audience has either gone to school, gone to undergrad, uh, gone to college and, you know, they've gotten their degrees and some are currently professionals and some are working on their master's or doctor degrees, whatever the case is, it's completely different stages. So for those in the, I guess I'll call the first stage or the younger stage, which is the undergrads or 18 to 22, 23 year olds, um, their stage is very interesting because obviously it's a time when you're dating, you're getting to know other people. It's your first time being out on your own per se. And it's exciting. So you're dating and you're, you're really liking this person. And then you get to the point where you think that you love them. And then you say, I love you. And then it's starting to get serious, right? Then you want to start to have a conversation about getting married. But in this stage, what I often find is that they typically want to finish school first. They are committed to their degrees. They want to get out into the real world and start working. And they're just very energized and enthusiastic about finishing their programs and starting to serve God in their careers. So the 18 to 22 year olds um, tend to have this mentality. Now, there are some that have a, I want to get married and I want to get married right now. And, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice my career for this. Um, so that's a different group in and of itself. So within that first set is that for, is that other subset of students or young adults who want to get married. And that's something that they find important something that they want to do that's one of their goals maybe even before graduating and that's okay you know I've seen it happen and I've seen it work at at least with many of our parents we've seen this happen and they're still together and they have been good examples for us in marriage so I don't always see a problem for me what I'm always trying to gauge is the maturity level of that couple. So I'm not going to get into that today, but I'm just trying to explain kind of what the thinking is for 18 to 22 year olds. And again, this is a, a, a generalization just based on my experience and what I've often seen. So graduate students or early professionals, which is the second group, they tend to be a little bit more set, right? So they have finished their undergrad they're already on a career path and they're trying to do well and get better and, you know, move up the ranks, essentially. Others may be in graduate school and finishing their master's degree or a doctoral degree, and that's one of their main goals. But they're also ready to get married. They, they want to find, obviously, that special person to join them on their journey and for them to be a part of their life and for them to do life together. Right. So they're a little bit more set, maybe have some more financial stability. Um, You know, I didn't mention this for the first group, but also you don't have to be in college. Right. Some of you guys may be working and that's totally fine, too. I'm, I'm not a proponent of having to go to college. I'm a proponent of setting yourself up in a way that will be contributing to society in a positive way and also for you to be able to provide for your family. So if you're able to do that without going to school, 
I'm okay with it, especially in today's era, because a degree doesn't mean as much as someone who has street smarts um, and someone who is capable of managing a lot of different things at once. So kind of having this entrepreneur mindset. So I'm totally for that. Um, But again, I still try to evaluate maturity at all levels. Okay, so for those who are, again, in the second group, graduate students or early professionals or young professionals, um, they, they are more set in these other areas. Not all the time, because you might be hearing this and you might say, Sam, I'm still trying to find myself. I'm nowhere near that. And again, this is something you're going to have to wrestle with as we continue moving forward and as you continue on in your life. But going back to the question, when is the right time? Well, as you check your stage, as you see which stage you fit into, the right time is when you're ready. So how do you know when you're ready? Well, I have a couple of questions here that are going to help you determine whether or not you're ready. And this could be both for the first group and the second group. So if you can answer yes to the following questions, then I think that you would be considered ready to to get married. So I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because I really want to get to the meat of the episode for today, which is um, what discussions to have and what they should be about. So again, as we read through these questions, see if you can answer yes to each of these. Okay. So number one, have I grown in my walk with Christ the last few years? So what does that mean? You're reading God's word, you're in prayer, you're seeking community, and you're building on each of these and you are closer to the Lord because of it. And there's fruit and evidence in your life that others are also obviously able to see. So have you grown in your walk with Christ in the last few years? If you could answer yes, that's good. Check number one. All right. Uh, Number two, am I willing to invest time, money, and personal effort? And I know not a lot of people like to see dating as personal effort. Some don't even like to see it as time. They just see it as as money, right? Just going on dates and traveling here and traveling there. But obviously, all those things take time and personal effort. So if you want to get to know someone, you need to spend time with them. You want to have fun? You need to spend time with that person. You want them to get to know you? You need to invest time. And in order to do those things, you need money. Right to go on dates, to get some gas, to travel to some of your favorite places, um, even if it's just to go out for some walks. Right, you need to invest some money in the relationship, and the personal effort comes into play when you start realizing that a relationship does take work. Right, and this typically happens later down the line because you start to see your weaknesses, your flaws much more as you go deeper into the relationship. So yeah, it might not be a lot of effort early on, but as your lives start to slowly mesh together, you start seeing a couple of other factors that play a role. So they do take effort, right? Maybe your schedules for work are aligned differently. So you got to make effort around in creating a schedule around your work. Uh, Maybe you don't have as much money as you would like to have, and therefore you need to make some personal effort on saving for the big places that you guys want to go to or for the dates, the more expensive dates that you want to have, right? So there is some personal effort to the relationship. So are you willing to put in the work? Good answer. Yes, that's a good thing. Here's a big one. Am I willing and able 
So you're willing and able to be vulnerable with someone. Right? A lot of people aren't ready to open up with someone else. And this could be for a variety of reasons, but one of them could be that they don't want to be known. Right. And not wanting to be known usually has to deal with some sort of pain in the past or some form of shame. Right? They want to wait for the other person to share first as well. Let's see how much you share and then maybe I'll share something. Right. So it's kind of this give. If you give some, I'll give a little bit and so on. Right. So they don't want to be known. They don't want they want to wait for the other person to share first or they fear getting hurt again. Right. And all of those are certainly valid concerns. But again, you have to answer the question, am I willing? So you're going to make the effort and able. Okay, do you have the capability to open yourself up to someone else, letting them know your um, secrets, your fears, um, insecurities, whatever the case is, you're going to be willing to do that because if not, that relationship is not going to go anywhere. Okay, so if you can answer yes to that, that's good. Two more, am I able to handle conflict well? There will be times where you're going to feel stressed and it will create conflict. So how do you respond? Do you consider yourself to be a good handler of conflict? Right? How, do you fight? Do you avoid? Or you just don't know what to do? And, and you can see or uh, listen to episode nine to, to identify your conflict style. But that is a good thing to know. How do you handle conflict? Sometimes the other person may be able to calm you down. But it's always best if you can manage your own emotions so it is not dependent on someone else. And lastly, do I have a strong biblical support system? So basically, do you have solid Christian friends who can open, be open and honest with you about how that relationship is affecting you? Okay, this group, you'll find you need to have at least one person in that group who can be completely honest with you. And when I say honest, I mean blunt and straightforward, right? We all we all have that person in our lives who can be blunt and straightforward with us about everything that's going on in our lives. I definitely have one. Um, you need to have one as well. And again, they need to have a biblical mindset, a biblical perspective, right? <clears throat> so this friend will let you know how this relationship is affecting you. So do you have a strong biblical support system? So if you're able to answer yes to each of these five questions, then I would consider you to be ready to start dating, right? Um, and again, we're not looking for perfection. Just answer those honestly, and you'll be able to tell how you'll do in that relationship that you're pursuing. So now that you've identified whether or not you're ready, here are the three key areas every dating couple should discuss before getting married. And you see it in the title faith, future, and family. Okay. If you're planning to get married, even, even if you're not, if you're not dating right now, that's okay. These are things that you want to bring up. And these are questions that you'll have to prepare. And obviously there's a lot of books that have a ton of questions that you can ask each other and they tend to work out pretty well. But what I've often found is that these, um, they basically are subtopics to these main topics faith future and family the main point is that you want to have the answers for each of these questions that i'm going to share with you um, and i thought it would be important to to list some red flags in each, each section 
So pay attention for those. Uh, I'll make them very clear. So I'll say here's the red flags and uh, just pay attention to those. Also, I wanted to do something uh, that I haven't done before. I don't think I've done this. But at the end of this week, I wanted to give you guys like a little checklist that you can have. So basically the first questions are going to be yes or no. So they're going to be closed-ended questions. And then the second question are going to be open-ended questions. And these are going to require an explanation. So this is going to be the open-ended question is going to be for the person that you're dating. So the way that you ask the question, see if you can summarize their answer. And that's what you'll put down on this sheet. And then you'll, based off of their explanation, you'll answer yes or no to the question. I'll give you guys an example of what that means if you didn't get it right now. It'll, it'll make much more sense as I go through them. Okay, so think of asking open-ended questions. Whenever you're dating someone, you want to gather information. We do this in counseling as well. We try to ask open-ended questions, meaning don't ask questions where the response is yes or no. Ask questions where they have to elaborate on their answers. Okay, <clears throat> so let's go ahead and jump right into the very first important topic, which is faith, right? Faith is something that is important to us as Christians, right? And one of the major points or one of the major experiences in our lives is when we were saved. For me, it was when I was eight, nine years old. Um, I remember pastor talking about a topic, the topic of hell. And I just remember uh, thinking to myself, I don't want her to go to hell. So I want to go up and give my life to the Lord. And I did. And then as it is with every person who grows up in the church, they have a rebellious stage during their teen years. Then later down the road, they come back to the Lord and they recommit themselves to the Lord. At least that's been my experience with many, many uh, students who have grown up in the church. So the very first question or one of the first questions that you want to ask, these aren't in order. These are just questions for you to keep in mind. Um, but one of the first questions that you can ask about faith is, are you saved? That's going to be the close-ended question. So this is going to be the question on your sheet that you're going to answer yes or no. So when you ask the alternative question to them and they give you an explanation, you should be able to answer, are they saved? And they'll say yes, and then you have to say yes or no based off of what they shared. Okay, so you'll have to evaluate their answer and and make a determination after that. So the way that you're going to ask this question in your dates is, would you mind sharing your testimony with me? Right. It might not seem natural if there's another way for you to ask that question, then definitely do so. Feel free to edit it. Um, but basically, you're asking that would share your testimony with me. I want to know when you were saved, how did it happen, who gave you the gospel and so on. And this will give you a good idea as to whether or not they actually are saved. Okay, so for you, your question is going to be, is this person saved? And the way you're going to ask that question in dating is, would you mind sharing your testimony? And then obviously they're going to elaborate and share when they were saved, how they were saved, who was there? Was it just them and their Bible? Was it their parents? Was it a close friend? Was it a pastor? So they'll be able to share how they came to that point of conversion, okay? And again, for them, if they grew up in the church, it might be when they were younger. Maybe they came to the Lord 
later on in life. Okay, but you ultimately want to answer whether or not they're saved. If they're not a Christian, don't date them. If you get a strong feeling they're not able to share their testimony or it's just not making sense or it seems like they're not really understanding what they're saying, um, I would warn you not to date that person. And I would actually tell you that not to date them if you don't think that they are a believer. Okay, so what happens if they say that they are saved? Right, because people will say that they'll say, well, "Yeah, I'm saved." You know, I received the Lord when I was 15. You know, I realized how my life was a total mess, and then I came to the Lord and I gave Him my heart, and I've been been serving Him ever since. So they say that, <clears throat> but then you have some time to also uh, see if there's any evidence of that in their lives, right? Do you see them displaying any of the fruits of the Spirit as listed in Galatians 5, and 23? Do you see those fruits? So they said they're Christian, they're a nice person, and so on, but you're really looking if they've developed the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, again, Galatians 5, to 23. So that's the first question. Another question that you can ask is, if you were to describe the Bible to someone, what would you say? So basically, the, the question that you're trying to answer is, does this person believe that the Bible is true, authoritative, inerrant, and inspired? Right? So how do they describe the Bible to someone? And obviously, they're going to describe it to you. So if you don't hear that it's truthful or that it's true, that it's authoritative, that it's inerrant, that it's inspired by God, that it is God's word to us to relate to him and to other people, then it's likely that they do not believe that. Again, you have to gauge. You're the one who's gathering the information, right? I'm giving you just the general format of how you can ask that question, and you can tell, right? You can tell by listening to someone speak whether or not they actually believe that the Bible is true. You can tell that it's authoritative in their lives if they are obedient to God's word. So if they're carrying out God's principles in their lives, if they're developing or are expressing fruits of the spirit in their daily life, then that will show you whether or not they believe that it's true, authoritative, and inerrant and inspired. Uh, Another question that you can ask, what church do you go to? Right. And essentially, you're asking the denominations they belong to. And this one is not necessarily open ended. I mean, it's a one word response. So what church do they go to? And basically, you're trying to see, are they Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Baptist, Catholic? Right. You're looking for those things. And you might ask, well, why, Sam? I mean, there's believers in each denomination. Um, Yes and no. Right. Different denominations believe different things about the Bible. So you may have disagreements on other aspects of church, meaning the type of preaching, meaning certain beliefs, meaning the way that you worship, right? For example, it's going to be pretty awkward if you have a Baptist marry a Pentecostal, right? I mean, just try to imagine that that picture. You have a Baptist and a Pentecostal 
that are going to have different views on a number of things, but also the way that they do church is going to be very, very different, right? Or can you imagine a Catholic with a Pentecostal? I mean, that one is probably even more conflicting than the first one. Um, One more traditional, very solemn and respectful, and Pentecostal a little bit more expressive and dynamic. So, and yeah. So anyways, it would not be wise to put yourself in this type of position, right? Your theology will be challenged by someone who goes to a different denominational church. So you do want to pay attention to those things. Another one that you can ask in regards to faith is how often do you go to church? So the question that you're going to ask them is how often do you go to church? The question that you're going to respond is, does this person attend church every week? Okay, now this one, this one's going to be interesting because what if you don't go to church every week? You should, but what if you don't, right? Or, or let's say you do go to church every week, but you only go once. Maybe this person goes three times, right? Or maybe you go three times and that person only goes once. Do you think that there would be some conflict there? Maybe not personal conflict or maybe not initially, but it will create a, an imbalance in the relationship because of where you spend your time, right? We make time for the things that are important to us. And if church is important to both of us, both you and the person, um, then you're going to make time for that. But if you only go once and the other person goes three times, eventually it's going to catch up to you guys. You're hoping that you can sway the person to go in the direction that you're going, but you don't want to really change someone's um, schedule or pattern of how they do church, right? Or how often they go to church because it is something meaningful. Again, the reason why we're tackling faith first is because it's meaningful to us as Christians. We believe in Jesus and everything that we do is focused on bringing honor and glory to him. So if one person does that through serving in church, by attending church every week, um, then that's going to be their way of living that out, right? So you both going together, if you both go three times a week, if you both go twice a week, then that's going to be good for both of you, right? Another benefit to that is, and this kind of leads into the next question, is what ministry in church do you enjoy serving in, right? So that's the question you ask, and you're answering, does this person serve in the church? So the reason why I have this question here is because it allows you to see how you both do ministry. It allows you to see the interests of the other person. Like, do, are, are they working with kids? Are they working with teens? Are they working with young adults? Are they working in uh, leading the parking lot? Right? Are they working in um, teaching? Right. It allows you to see the gifts that the other person has, the gifts that God has given them. And that's always very attractive. Right. It's attractive to see someone use their gifts to bring glory to God. So when you ask what ministry and church do they enjoy serving in, that's really what you're trying to get get some insight on is is how do they serve? What gifts do they have and who are they serving? Right. So this becomes a little difficult if at first you guys don't go to the same church because this is what you'll find, right? Maybe you guys just met, whether it be um, through friends or online or um, at a get-together, whatever the case is. 
uh, initially you might not be going to the same church. But if you do, it's a it's a huge plus because you do get to see this every week, right, when they're serving in church. So just try to find a way to ask uh, what area they serve in and, and why, okay? Um, two more here. Do they read the Bible? So that's the question that you're trying to answer. And the question that you could ask them is, what's a passage, passage that you're currently reading through? So this is really just about how are, how's their walk with Christ, right? What, what passage are they reading that is changing their life right now? And you will be able to tell how often they're referring to that verse. Sometimes it could just be one passage. I, I'm huge on meditating on one passage, whether it be for a couple of weeks, a month, a couple of months, whatever the case is, because you'll really, you'll really stick to you and you'll really hold true or hold on to that belief for a very, very long time. And it becomes part of who you are. And we all have our own life verses and so on. But when you're asking what passage are you currently reading through, you're also getting to see their heart, right? What, what do they talk about most? Um, growing up, I love passages that talk about standing up for truth, that talk about the accuracy or the inerrancy of the Bible, the truth of God's principles, and how they are timeless and work in any given situation. So I love discussing truths of the Bible. Um, I've had to learn how to understand love and grace much more as I've gotten older. Because I know that people go through a lot of difficult situations that breaks them. right? And we're all broken. But... When you are able to hear the passages that this person is reading through, you get just a small glimpse of their heart and a small glimpse as to what makes them tick, right? What makes them move forward in their Christian walk. So you may see them reference a lot of uh, scripture passages that deal with um, pain and how to trust God during those times of pain. Or might be love and comfort because that's something that they may have needed when they were growing up. Whatever the case is, when the other person shares their passage with you, you're really seeing how God is working in their lives. Okay, so that's a, a really good one to have. And then lastly, uh, is this person involved in a home group? So that's your question, yes or no. And then the, what you're going to ask them is what Bible study format does your community group have, right? So here, this is all about community. You're trying to see how important community is to this person, right? I have yet to see someone who is not engaged in a solid Christian community grow in their walk with the Lord. Every person who is growing in their walk with the Lord is also connected to a community. Why? Because our communities encourage us, they confront us, and they sharpen us, right? So see if the person is involved in community, okay? So sometimes they're called Bible groups or Bible study groups or home groups or community groups, whatever it is, just evaluate and see if they're actually engaged and involved in a community group, okay? Now, 
here are some red flags when it comes to faith. Okay. And again, I'm going to go through these very quickly. I may do another episode where I go into these a little bit more depth, more in depth. But here are the three red flags that I see when it comes to faith. So number one, if the person does not have a testimony or does not know what being saved means, and that's a huge problem, it is likely that they are not saved. Okay, If that is the case and they show no evidence of a life changed by Christ, then do not date that person. I've seen so many people compromise when it comes to this point, guys. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's a nice guy. It's a sweet girl. That does not equate a crit to being a Christian, right? So because we like the person, because we think they're nice or they're sweet or whatever the case is, we compromise on this principle. So a red flag is if the person does not have a testimony or does not know what being saved means, don't date that person. Another red flag is if the person is doubting their faith, okay? Now, though doubting is part of the Christian journey, it should not be the state of it. So if you're dating this person and, you know, you go out on your first date, second date, third date, and they all they talk about is doubt, that's not a good thing, okay? Especially if your faith is very strong because we tend to think that because our faith is strong, we can, we can convert or help the other person with their doubt when oftentimes they may lead us to doubt. Um, and again, it's part of the journey, but what you don't want is for that to be their state, Okay a state of disbelief so it's it moves from doubt to disbelief so if they're in that state of disbelief do not date that person okay uh if the person does not read their bible pray or see christian community again part of those questions that i referred to earlier those will show you whether or not this is important to them okay if they say they don't have time or all of these different things i mean if they're missing all three it's definitely no um, sometimes you'll see that they're just trying to move their schedule around to find time to to, uh, to read their Bible or to pray or to see community, you know, work schedule or school schedule, whatever the case is. You know, you evaluate that. But if they're not doing all three, I mean, that's really, really bad sign. Okay. Now, if the person is doing all three, then you have a great catch on your hands. Okay. So definitely hold on to that person. Okay. Uh, second point, right? Second huge topic, which is future. So the first topic is, as I was referring to faith, you want to get a good hold of what the person believes, a good understanding of it. And if you believe that they are Christian and they show evidence of it and they were able to um, show a level of depth and growth in their walk with God, then that's good. Right then, you probably start moving into talking about the future. Okay, so uh, one question: This is kind of an open-ended question for you: Is where does the person see themselves in the next three years? And the way that you can ask the question to them is: What are you most excited about accomplishing in the next three years? Right. So this question allows you to see how much or how little they are thinking about their future. Right. It's important to have direction in life. Um, and especially if this is the second stage, I know the first stage of, you know, the if you're an undergrad or if you're working and 18 to 22 years old, um, I know it's hard to look at the future, but a person who's ready for that next step is thinking about the future, 
right? It's not like, ah, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if I'm ready for that. I don't know what it, what I see in the next year. I, you know, I'm barely thinking about what's going on today and, you know, kind of have a, a very laid back approach to life, then that's not a, a good thing. Okay. So you want to kind of see and evaluate what those next steps in their lives. And it's only the next three years, right? So they, they should be thinking about those things. Being ready for the next step in their lives is important. So you do want to ask this question. Uh, what about in 10 years, right? So there's three years, the short term, and then 10 years. Where do they see themselves in the long term? That one may be a little bit more difficult to answer, but it is important to kind of gauge where they see themselves in 10 years and see if you want to be a part of that. Right. So when I talk about future, it's really about seeing, do I want to be a part of that? Do, can I see myself in that future? And if you can, those are good things. So these are things, obviously, as, as we've been discussing, that you want to line up with the other person. OK, so where does the person see themselves in 10 years? And you can ask it the same way. You know, so I asked you about what are you excited about accomplishing in the next three years? What about the next 10 years? And just see kind of how they respond. Again, that one might be a little bit more difficult but at least you can gauge and see um, what's happening. You know, um, one of the things that you do want to, before moving on to the next point, one of the things that you do want to be mindful of is they share something that they're going to do in the next 10 years, and you, in your mind, think to yourself, well, maybe they'll change their mind in a few years, meaning that if what you heard wasn't what you wanted to hear, like maybe they're, they want to go to the mission field. And you don't. Maybe that's not your calling. You don't want to go to the mission field. And they do. And then the way that you come to terms with that situation is that you'll say, oh, maybe they'll change their mind in a few years. And that's exactly right. Maybe or maybe not. Right. Maybe they won't change their minds. Uh, maybe they will. But you don't want to risk that by relying on a maybe. Okay. So if you don't see the same thing uh, for the future in the next 10 years, don't try to justify it. Because oftentimes we'll say, well, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe they'll change their minds. Again, there's too much that can go um, into that decision. So you really want to pay attention to that 10-year plan and what's that looking like. As you kind of observe their, their degree or what career path they're taking, right? What does their career path look like? So that's the next question. What is your career path looking like, right? What's a different way in which you can ask that question, right? So what do you plan to do? What, what's, your, what's your field that you're entering? So they might say, I want to be in the medical field, right? And you know that there's going to be those three to four years of medical school, then another, I think it's three or five years of residency, and obviously the on the demand that is required for being a doctor. So you might know all of that based on their career choice. And if that's not something that you see yourself being a part of, then it might not be wise to pursue that relationship. Okay, maybe you're looking for something that's a little bit more low key, right? Whatever other profession, but those high demand jobs where a lot of time is required um, you have to have really good a really good ability to not live on your own but to be okay with being 
alone sometimes. Okay. And that works for some of you guys. It might not work for others. You just have to know what you think about that career path and how you guys can make that work. Usually, maybe you're going into the same field. So maybe you'll just get to know each other and understand each other at that level, which is perfectly fine too. So I do see that a lot. You know, it could be, you know, two lawyers or two doctors or two counselors or two teachers, whatever the case is. You know, I often find that there's a lot of similarity that can be figured out with that. So that's one thing to to take into consideration. Okay, another one, how do you relax? So this is more about observing how that person does life. So what do they do to relax? What does that person do on their downtime? Right? So this will show you how they spend their free time and that'll allow you to see if you can keep up or if you can relax together, right? Because some people are very, very active. And if you're not an active person, then that's probably not going to be a good thing for you. Again, this is not a make it or break it type of decision. This is for you to kind of observe and try to understand from the other person's perspective, right? If you're a more low-key person and like to enjoy your evenings relaxing, reading a book or watching a movie, then someone who is highly active, always at the gym, is probably not going to be your go-to person, right? Or vice versa. If you're the person who likes to be out in, in, in the, I was going to say in the wild, in the, um, in nature and just enjoying the weather and working out and all of that, then your person is probably not going to be that person who is just always uh, wanting to be home. Okay. So just something to, to take into consideration, but here are some red flags in this section about future. So there's a history of bad relationships. The person has a history of bad relationships. That's going to be a problem. Okay, because oftentimes they'll always blame it on the other person. But if they have multiple relationships where it was just a bad relationship, um, that shows something about that person of how they do relationships. Okay, so that's what you'll likely see in your own future. So if they have a history of bad relationships, red flag. Uh, If the person is going in a completely different direction than you are, right? If they want to do mission work and you don't, or if you want to do mission work and they don't, that's not a good sign. That's a red flag because you're not going to convince the other person to all of a sudden change a plan or a goal that they've had or a calling that God has had on their lives all, you know, for the longest time. And now they're all of a sudden going to change in the opposite direction. No, you know, it, it's it's not it's not ideal for either person to do that. So if you both are going in a similar direction, right, you don't have to be in the same uh, field. It's more about are you guys going in different directions? So let's say, for example, and I'm going to get to this in the, in, in the next section, but let's say they want, you know, a big family and you want a small family and that you're you're very set on that. Or if you want a um, high driven career and they want a more low key career. Right. So those are those are innate conflicts that can happen in in a relationship. Okay, And lastly, the person doesn't know. So if you ask the person about their future and they kind of have this approach of, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I haven't really thought about it. You know, I can't give you any specifics. They have no idea where they see themselves. That's a bad sign. Okay, consider that a, a warning because. Again, depending on the stage, if you're getting to that part about family, which is the next section, then 
you want them to have a plan or an idea of where they're heading in the future. Okay. Lastly, and we're here at guys, this has been, this has been going on for quite a while. I mean, I had a lot of content and hopefully you find it to be useful, but yeah, this next section is family. Okay. And notice, like I said earlier that I've tried to do it in a very sequential manner. So first you want to know about the person's faith. Then you want to know about where they're headed in the future. And then you want to know what their views are on marriage. So now that you've been able to identify that they are saved and they have plans and ambition to work towards a future, loving God, loving others, desiring a family, now you can start looking for what that looks like for them. So here are the questions that you can ask. So what does marriage mean to them? And really what you, the way that you're going to ask them is, what was your parents' marriage like? Okay, so this will usually be explained by resemblances of their parents' marriage. Remember, they only know what they've been exposed to. So if their parents is the only example that they've had and it was an unhealthy one, then expect to see similar, but maybe to a lesser degree, uh, characteristics and behaviors in your marriage with this person. Okay, we are impacted by our parents' marriage. That's the only model we have until we get married. Now, uh, important caveat here is that, well, what if a person had a really bad um, example with their parents? Is it possible that they learn how to relate differently in the future? Yes. So if they've had other solid, biblical, godly examples in their lives uh, of some healthy, biblical, godly marriages, then yes, they are able to pick up on... <clears throat> on those characteristics and behaviors for their own marriage, especially if they admire that marriage and want something positive to look for in their own marriage. Because a lot of them are going to be fearful if they had parents with bad marriages. So uh, that is something that you want to ask is, what was your parents' marriage like? You know, by this point, because you've already agreed on faith, because you've already agreed on future, now, this question doesn't seem so personal because you've already asked a lot of the key questions. So asking them about what their parents' marriage is like, and this might even come sooner, but just to stay aligned with my sequence here. Um, yeah, so you want to ask, what was your parents' marriage like? Okay, and if it was an unhealthy one, ask them if they had any positive role models, right? So this this will lead them to share of the great marriages that they've seen and admired and if they did have uh, some good models for them, then you can expect that they they did learn some things along the way, but they are still impacted by their parents' marriage, as you are, right? You're impacted by your parents' marriage as well. And if you had some solid, godly examples in your life, then obviously you were able to learn something from that. Now, if they had great parents with a godly marriage, then you will be blessed by that. And so will they if you had parents with a godly marriage. Okay, uh, Here's a big one. And I just talked about this in the last episode. Uh, so do you think that gender roles are important in a biblical marriage? Right. So that's your question is going to be, yeah, does this person believe that gender roles are important in a biblical marriage? And the way you can ask that in your date is, what are your views on roles within a marriage? Right. See episode 22 for more on that with a complementarian, egalitarian, and so on. Um, but yeah, what's what's their 
what's their view on roles within marriage. That will play a huge role on how you're going to do family life. Right? If you're complementarian, you're going to have the traditional view where the husband goes to work and the wife keeps the home. If it's more egalitarian, both parents are working and both parents are loving each other, trying to uh, provide for the family and so on. So that changes things up a bit. Um, and then you have just the completely liberal view where um, the roles are reversed and uh, the wife is the one who is you know, bringing the check home and she is kind of leading the family to church and everything else. And the guy tends to be a little bit more passive and just kind of go with the flow type of person. So uh, gender roles uh, are a factor in marriage. So you want to see what this person's belief is about those roles. Okay. Uh, does this person like big families? Okay. So the way you could ask that question is what was it like growing up with X number of siblings, X number of brothers and sisters, right? Do you hope to have a big or small family? Again, because you're at this stage, you're able to ask these questions and feel not feel uncomfortable with them. Okay. So these aren't probably the ones that you're going to ask early on. But again, I, I've seen many people ask them early on, and that's okay. I think it's just it just depends how the conversation goes. For me, the way that I try to set it up for this conversation was that you see what's mostly important. You want to know first that the person is a believer, and then you want to see that they have a future, and then you want to see that they're willing and what family looks like for them. Okay, Because let's say that family works out great and they have a future, but they're not believers. That's going to be a problem. Right. So I, I try to put it in a way that makes sense and hopefully you're able to to um, to use this to your benefit. OK, um, but if they like big families, it's likely or they, if they come from big families, it's likely that they will want one as well. OK, um, keep in mind that as a couple, your desire to have kids can be impacted by a variety of factors, right, including how well the pregnancies go, um, financial situations and maybe just a change of heart, maybe as you've had two, maybe you wanted a big family and you've had two or three kids and, and you're thinking, you know, right now we just can't do this for, you know, X reason, but you both agree on it, right? Um, let's say that you wanted a small family, but you know, you had your first two little angels and you want many, many more, right? So there's always that change of heart, but it's good to understand kind of where the person's mind and where their heart is at when it comes to the size of the family, okay? Uh, next one, and this one, this one's a tough one. I was debating whether or not to include this one because I think it's one of those taboo topics. And basically is the question for you is did, the, did this person's parents talk to them about sex, right? So the way you would ask this question is were your parents comfortable talking to you about sexual purity, right? And obviously that opens up the conversation to a lot of different things. Um, and if you're doing premarital counseling, it'll definitely be covered there, or I hope it's covered there. Definitely something that I covered whenever I did it. Um, but it is important to see what parents teach their children or how they talk about sex, right? Cause some people would just say, wait until marriage. Others is, um, have it often to protect your marriage. Don't use it as a way to leverage the relationship. So there's all these different things and, um, that parents may have addressed but maybe used fear tactics or didn't really have the conversation at all. It was just kind of not talked about, which I have heard a lot. And others were just open, right, about their own lives and how it uh, ruined their lives or how it made, uh, 
led them to make bad decisions and so on. So how parents talk to both you or how your parents talk to you about sexual purity and how that person's parents talk to them about it is going to be very important because this this is going to jump to sexual history, right? For both of you, uh, previous boyfriends, girlfriends. Um, but again, I think that at this point, it is important to know, especially if you're considering marrying this person, what that was like, right? Um, and 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 what you should be concerned about and how you guys can talk about those things honestly and that's really what premarital is is talking about those fears and insecurities and how that's that could impact the relationship so yeah you you want to address this issue especially if you're pursuing marriage with this person you know one of the biggest things that um, i heard growing up was if, if the person saved themselves for marriage should they marry someone who didn't save themselves and I will go back to, is the person a believer? Is the person, do they, do they have a future? I mean, do they, have they set themselves up in a position where their future reflects them honoring God? And then how has your relationship with that person been, right? So we're not, we're not our past, but our past does impact our present. So you do need to understand how that past relationship has affected the person, but that doesn't mean that the person is that anymore. So in this case, I just want to emphasize using wisdom. So use wisdom to know and accept what is part of that person's history and then determine whether or not that's something you Um, can see yourself coping with in in the future again if you have some good solid believers around you good christian couples um, they will help you through that process okay because everyone's story is different and uh, just something to keep in mind okay down to the last couple of questions here guys i'm very surprised by how how much this has um gone but i think that this content will be will be helpful so last three here uh do you have any traditions that your family does each year and what did you appreciate the most about them right which ones do you hope to continue on in marriage so essentially what you're doing here is learning how their traditions line up with yours right do you have similar traditions are they very different do you like that again as as people and as we get older we just tend to get set in our ways and we like familiarity so if you have a lot of familiarity with their traditions and your traditions or if there's a lot of similarity i'm sorry between them then that's a good thing it's going to make the transition a lot easier so essentially that's what really what you're assessing how easy do I want this transition to be? Every marriage that you enter, there's always going to be that transition stage and that adjustment stage. But all of these things help with making that transition easier. So if they have a lot of tra- traditions that you have, that's, that's a really good help to making that, that jump. Okay. Um, another one, how are you disciplined as a child or teen? What punishments did your parents give you and how effective were they? Right. So that's the way in which you can ask them how effective were the punishments that your parents gave you, because this is going to lead into how you guys discipline your own children. Right. Basically, you're trying to gauge whether or not their discipline style lines up with yours. You know, 
we tend to follow the same suit our parents did unless it was abusive, whether it be verbally, physically, or emotionally. We typically avoid that style that our parents use if it had those factors, right? In fact, we tend to do the complete opposite to avoid any uh, resemblance of that or any, any, um, anything that could remind you of what it was like for you as a child. So disagreement over discipline is a great stressor in marriage where parents disagree on how it's implemented or they disagree on what the punishment should be. So um, I saw this a lot in uh, the school where I worked is that children and teens will use this against the parents, right? They'll know who's the softer one and who's the, uh, the disciplinarian and they'll try to get you to disagree with each other. Okay, so you want to be on the same page when it comes to how you view discipline. So definitely we want to talk about that a little more in depth. Okay, uh, and then lastly, what does his or her family tree look like? So what were some regrets family members have or have had that they have shared with you, right? So sometimes in your family, you have you have them share about regrets that they have in life. So they'll talk about, you know, I, I, I hate that I use drugs because it really messed me up. It didn't allow me to get a job or it took me to jail. I got involved with the wrong crowd. So they'll share a lot of those things. Uh, they'll share, you know, I regret having a divorce. I regret doing this to your um, to a former friend. Whatever the case is, just try to get an idea of what regrets there are within the family. And you can ask the person themselves, like, you know, is there something that they've talked about? And maybe something you'll find is that they don't talk about it. So you'll just have to be very observant and seeing what kind of regrets uh, that person that you're dating has. Or as you talk to their family, you know, what regrets the family has. And again, they'll give you kind of a good idea of the family tree, right? Because you're, you're really asking about par uh, the person's parents, their siblings, their cousins, aunts, uncles, and grandparents. You're trying to get a whole picture. And you don't always get to see it all, right? Because you don't always meet the whole family. But definitely you want to get a good picture of the parents and siblings and how uh, your boyfriend or girlfriend relates to them. Okay, again, this will show you what kind of habits, vices, or even closeness level they have with the family. Doesn't have to be perfect though, okay, because we don't all have, you know, great families. And if that's the case, you just want to see how much you're able to deal with. And it sounds kind of negative, but essentially that's what it is, is how common is are the issues within the family how do you relate to them, right? Is it going to be an issue? Maybe, you know, maybe you had a parent or a family member who died from drinking or smoking or something like that. Um, you know, they had lung cancer and they ended up dying. And, you know, the, the person's family that you're dating, they, they had, they're heavy smokers, right? Um, so maybe that's going to be a negative impact on you. It's going to scare you, right? Um, because that may mean that the other person might turn to that. Hopefully not, right? Again, if the person is a believer and if they have ambition, they have some goals set for themselves, that's definitely something that they will try to avoid. But again, I'm guessing as believers, this, these are not things that you're seeing. But the family tree does show all of these different areas. You know, maybe it comes from a strong Christian family, right? Everyone is involved in church and everyone... Uh, is are believers so those are obviously good things if they're all professionals 
whatever the case is, you just want, want to get a good idea what that family tree looks like. Okay. As awkward as it may seem, looking into a family tree can tell you a lot about a person. But that does not mean that the person is their family's problems. It only means that they have directly or indirectly been impacted by it. Okay, So you'll need to consider how all of this has affected this person that you're dating. Okay, And if you can identify those presently in their lives, then you'll have to make an assessment and a decision after that. Okay. Uh, lastly, some red flags here to look for if they do not have a biblical definition of marriage, and maybe they even talk about marriage in a negative manner, I would say that that is a red flag. Okay, If they see marriage as negative um, and they don't have a biblical definition of marriage, um, not a good sign. Okay, If you talk about family and talk about marriage and talk about you know traditions and so on, and they say maybe, um, that's probably not a good sign either because that maybe is usually a no or it's usually in the opposite direction, okay? Um, they'll say yes if there's a lot of commonalities between you and them. Say, yeah, I can, I can agree to that. You know, I like those traditions. Or, yeah, I want to have a big family. But if they're not sure, then you're probably going to be hoping that they say yes to what you think or what you hold to, okay? Um, and the last red flag, they avoid spending time with your close friends, parents, and or family, right? They find excuses not to go to these functions because they are afraid to be known or they don't allow for those people to evaluate how he or she impacts you, right? So if they're avoiding spending time with your close friends, parents, and or family, I think that would be another red flag. So, wow, guys. So I went an hour talking about this very important topic about dating, okay, and faith, family, and future, and how to have this discussion. So hopefully, guys, you were able to listen all the way to the end. And again, like I said, I will provide a checklist for you at the end of this week. So stay tuned for that. And uh, just some final thoughts here. Just keep in mind that these are just my suggested questions based off of my counseling experience and based on what I saw in couples growing up. So there are a lot of things that are apparent to all of us, but something we don't dig into um, into these questions as much as we would like. So even if you're not dating, it will be good for you to know how to answer each of these questions. Okay. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that you may change your mind later, right? In regards to these questions, you may modify them a little bit because it's been you know a couple years since your last date or you have been dating this person for a while and maybe your views have changed a little bit, but that's why having that close circle of friends is important. Um, but again, just be mindful that these are suggested questions. I think they are helpful. Um, and just find a way to kind of implement these into your conversations. Okay, it doesn't all have to be in first date. Let it go along with time but focus on trying to keep it within the sequence that I provided. So first faith, then future, then family. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again for, for tuning in. 
we are we have one episode left after this one and we'll be done with season one so i just want to thank you again for being part of this and again remember to share 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 i will really appreciate that if you do that on facebook or twitter or instagram just share it as much as possible okay i look forward to talk to you guys soon have a good one